The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 383 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, a host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is bringing up mom with Alzheimer dementia. Now, Alzheimer's disease is a brain disease that can't be stopped, reversed, or cured. It slowly destroys brain functions such as remembering, thinking, and speaking, carrying out simple tasks, and even destroying the ability of individuals to recognize members of their own families. Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia, which is a general name used to describe um, various uh, forms of loss of mental functions. These are caused by various diseases, injuries and conditions. One example is diabetes that's poorly controlled. Now, the loss of mental functions such as thinking, memory and reasoning that is severe enough to interfere with a person's daily functioning. That's broadly the way that dementia is defined. And all of this is why our topic, bringing up mom with Alzheimer dementia, is so important for family caregivers and their family members. To discuss it, our guest today is Dr. Stephen Hogue. Stephen's career includes teaching, researching, writing, administering, and creating programs for students in Pennsylvania and Connecticut. His PhD dissertation was titled All Student Construct. He began work in 1973 at the Town Area High School, Pennsylvania, where his students won the national number one ranking in a specialized marketing program. Uh, Stephen wrote and produced a student-performed musical, Decades of Diamonds, that won national acclaim. Uh, Stephen was honored as the Greater Philadelphia Teacher of the Year. In 1977, he joined the Connecticut State Department of Education, where he created a statewide student organization, then called Vocational Industrial Clubs of America. Uh, He created, developed, and continues to administer the first statewide assessment program for career and technical education in Connecticut. He's the coordinator for the United States Senate Youth Program and Blue Ribbon Schools. And his book, which was written, written, as you're going to hear, from a very different perspective, 
was titled, is titled, A Son's Handbook, Bringing Up Mother with Alzheimer's Dementia. And that was published in 2013. So, welcome to the show, Stephen. It is a pleasure to be here, sir. Great. First question for you. Please tell us more about your life, your career, and your work. Stephen? You did such a marvelous job, and I haven't been introduced like that in memory, so thank you. Uh, my life has is, is certainly been blessed uh, in so many ways. Um, I was brought up, uh, my mom and dad were both uh, musical show people who met during World War II. It's an important context because it, it was something that they wanted uh, me to uh, aspire to as I grew up, and certainly they gave me many, many opportunities uh, and training in, in the musical genre. Um, and I'm right to the last day of my mother's life. I'm sure I disappointed her ter- terribly in becoming an educator, which is something I didn't bother to tell her about once I got into uh, my undergraduate work. But uh, my work has been, my career has been, and my my life has been uh, uh, trying to uh, harness and bring out the best in uh, young people in, in a lot of venues uh, from my coaching and my uh, organizational work. Um, but the the fine line through all of that that seems to keep and even today uh, at the office um, the the musical training that that mom uh, gave me insisted upon uh, is still there still shows itself and is a common theme uh, throughout the book um, again in a nutshell that's that that's that little thread that goes through that uh, really had a big big part in in the book itself. Very good. Now, please tell us about the book. I'm going to repeat the title again. A Son's Handbook, Bringing Up Mom with Alzheimer's Dementia. Please tell us about it. Stephen? Uh, essentially, the, um, when, when my father died, and you know, we all are filled in our lives with all of a sudden moments, and Dad was, Dad's death was all of a sudden, um, the care of my mom, uh, who was just beginning to show some signs of, of dementia and, and not even something I was recognizing at the time. Uh, and my older brother, who I also care for, who's an older retarded man, um, that, you know, it, it was, you know, you're trying to do the right thing, I think, as every family does. And one of the things that my mother uh, always espoused was that she wanted to live uh, her life in her home and, and die there. Um, in, I wanted to give her that. I wanted to make that possible. Uh, and it was uh, extremely difficult. So the book came about, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fanatical chronicler. Um, and each day when, uh, long before, but, uh, throughout every day that I, uh, took care of mom, um, I would write in this chronicle about the events of the day, but more than that. Um, what I learned, what was the lesson of the day. And there was a lot of prayers in it, too, because I, more than many, many times, as I'm sure that some of your listeners will attest to, you, you wonder if you're, you're, you can handle it, you, you can get it through. So the book talks about the, the it wasn't intentional, but it, because I never intended to write a book. I still didn't want to write a book. The, the thing that happened is when mom passed away and finally died and um, we were 
sitting in my two twin daughters and my wife. We were sitting in the living room, and uh, my daughter excused herself and uh, wanted to go upstairs to use our, uh, you know, our bathroom. And um, I had heard this, this chuckling. And she called up her sister, and the next thing I know that we're downstairs, you know, and that was the, you know, the day that we, we buried her, and, and they're laughing like crazy upstairs. And, you know, they're in their 30s, and I'm going, what could they possibly be doing? I went upstairs to, to kind of uh, rebuke them, and what had happened was that they had gotten into, which was okay, to my office, and they were pouring over the, the over 5,000 pages of material uh, of Daily Chronicle that that dealt with mom. I never showed anybody, but uh, they were just in in these big bound um, binders, and they were reading it. And um, to, to to cut to the real issue of it, my daughter Maureen said, "Daddy, you gotta you gotta do something with this. You, you're not going to just throw this out, are you?" And uh, it it led to the the three of them ganging up on me and insisting that. I do something with all of this material and write about it. And um, they finally talked me into it. They did so much legroom or legwork with, with getting a publisher and all that. And um, I agreed to it. And the book is a synthesis of, of the progression, the sequence of the disease and, and what happened with mom. And they were, the theme really is, is what really was the thing that, I finally agreed to, to write it because I didn't want to because I didn't want to relive it all over again. But it, the book was designed as a respite. The book was designed as a help for the over 6 million people um, in the United States alone that are, are charged with the care, and these are right. people in the home, of, of this terrible disease. Right. So now, Stephen, I'm, I'm just going to interrupt you because Please. partly because we're running, we, there's always a tyranny of time here. But I, you, you've answered one of the questions I was going to ask you, which is why you wrote the book. Mm-hmm. But I want to know more from you, please, who you wrote it for and really what you would like your readers to get from it. Stephen? Yeah, the, I, I think what the, the target of the people... Um, that I wrote it for. It certainly wasn't anything for my family or anything else. It, during those 10-plus years that I took care of Mom, I, I went everywhere trying to find answers, and there weren't any. Um, I went to many nursing homes, many facility care facilities, talked to people that were you know, identified as experts. And what I really saw was a suffering, not so much on the people that had Alzheimer's with dementia, but of the family members that had to deal with it. And really that's the focus of, of the book, to, to kind of let them understand that there's no, as you suggested earlier, there's no cure for this. It's going to go its path. It's going to follow a certain way. And along the way, it was really uh, the book was meant to give someone a bit of a deep breath that there's, Although it's hard to say until you've been there, there's a humor in it, and and there's a poignancy about every stage you go through, and and what gets you through it is that you lead with love, that you you understand it. Don't fight it. Just understand that you're going to have that that full array of of, of emotions and different things that go through your heart, 
And it really is for all those people, even the people I see now, because I still volunteer going to certain homes to, 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 to help people a little bit, just to kind of understand what they're up against. Now, you made a comment earlier about the work, your work with um, school, school children, particularly, mm-hmm. bringing out the best. Just very quickly, would you say that one of the purposes of your book was it would be to help family caregivers, family members who you've been talking about, to bring out the best in themselves? Stephen, just very quickly. Well, I, would absolutely, I would absolutely agree uh, that in caring as a family member for uh, you know, a loved one that has this, it can oftentimes bring out the worst of you yes. because the emotions are so high. But, but I think the thing is that by looking looking it through a different prism, a different lens, you find out that there are you, you're going to feel a lot different about how you feel about you because of what you've gone through. It's not going to make it all that easier, but the thing is to understand that you're not at fault as as a caregiver, a family member. Right. Very good. Now, um, we're going to take the break now. This is where I always say we have to pay the rent, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guest is Dr. Stephen Hogue. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Stephen Hogue. Our topic is bringing up mom with Alzheimer's dementia. Steve, now let's talk about the challenges for individuals living with Alzheimer's disease, the challenges for their family caregivers, and the challenges for the healthcare and social systems. So let's start off. What do you see as the most challenging of the challenges for the individuals themselves who are living with Alzheimer's disease? Steve? Oh, it, you know, that's a, it's a conversation, and the answer, to, the answer to that question is something that I hope that I'll never have to deal with directly, but uh, being so, uh, you know, close to what mom went through, I think the early stages in terms of challenges was when, and again, I've been told this by so many people, that the person with Alzheimer's and dementia recognizes that something's changing in them. Something's not quite right. Um, they are conflicted, and the the real thing is they can't seem to understand it. That confusion, that, that, that blurriness to saying, uh, I always did this, I don't feel the same way, I'm, I'm someplace else. The early stages are of the most challenging for the individual that, that has this disease because they're trying to game it all out in their mind why they feel certain ways, why things aren't where they used to be, or they're starting to see things that aren't there. And at the initial stages, they start to realize, I think it's there, but it's not there. So that I, I think that confusion, that agitation, that, can, that being conflicted is the biggest uh, problem in the early stages of Alzheimer's. Now, let's ask the same question, but in relation to the family caregivers of those individuals. So, Stephen, what do you see as the most challenging of the challenges for the family caregivers of the, of the individuals? Stephen? Uh, you know, laser-like focus on that answer. The, the biggest issue is that you are caring for someone you care about, you love. The person that that individual was is not all there anymore. You're loving them for all the reasons of what they were, but they're not exactly in the same place anymore. And as time goes on, it becomes real difficult. So you're stripped away as a caregiver, a family member of your logic. Initial stages, and most people will go through it, you're trying to say to the person who's got the, the disease, oh, no, no, that's not there. Oh, no, you're wrong. And what's really happening is that your logic is being stripped away from you. And we try, as I did, to, to convince them otherwise. My mother would hear choirs outside of her window. And as much as I brought her out there to outside to see it, as much as I told her it wasn't, um, I was in denial all the time. And, and no matter what I did, 
um, I, you know, it was it was impossible to convince her otherwise. So you, all the things that you that you assume they know, they feel that they were things that that deal with some basic common human things like cleanliness and 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 personal integrity. They're not all there anymore. So the thing that for caregivers is to understand that you, there's someplace else right now, the person you're caring for. You got to get there or you're not going to handle it well. Because just saying, well, Mom, you always did this, and Mom, you always did that, they're not going to remember all that. And they're not necessarily going to adjust to it very well because there's someplace else. And wherever they are, wherever their mind is, they're not in any pain. You are as a caregiver. It's your pain. And, again, that's part of how we got to the title of the book, you know, because of something I would say over and over again in those early stages. Stephen, would it be fair to say that, in effect, both of you, that is to say you, the family caregiver, and the individual, your mom, who you're caring about, are both in a form of denial, different, <laughs> different sort of denial for the two people, but is there that, do you see I, that? I, w- I, would, I would concur, sir. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, 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 again, those are... Those are the hard, hard moments uh, initially and really all the way through the process is that every so often your, your, your logic, um, you know, is going to kick in and you're going to come on now. Uh, you know that's not true, Mom. You know that's not true, Dad. And they're someplace else. But, uh, yeah, the, their denial is one that they can't see. Your denial is that you're trying to evaluate where they are, what they think, what they say, what they want to do, based upon what they used to be. And, and that's very, very difficult to handle. Right. Now, Stephen, what do you see as the most challenging of the challenges for healthcare and social systems providing care and support for Alzheimer's disease? Stephen? Well, Gordon, I'll tell you that, that, that that's a learning thing. Now, I want to just provide this caveat. I'm not a medical expert, as you are. I'm, you know, again, I'm just another person that chose to take care of a mother I love. And one of the things that was, I won't say irritating, but certainly disappointing throughout the process was how little information there was uh, coming back my way in terms of just, especially in the early stages, explaining to my mother, and I've heard this from other people, from the doctor that you have this disease. There was a reluctance to claim it and state what it is. Um, that, that little, as much as, you know, that uh, people who were usually older, but a lot of people are getting it a lot younger, but the trust in doctors and the doctor being able to say, I, you are showing symptoms of this, allows them a little bit of calmness and understanding that they know something's wrong, and someone who is an expert, a doctor, is saying that. Additionally, there's a fear factor. Um, As you suggested in your opening comments about how the disease follows a path, and there's this, you know, know, the uh, thing that I've learned during that whole process that the first thing this disease does is takes your mind, and then it takes your body. And the fear of losing a little bit of your loved one, a little bit of time, mentally, physically, um, that kind of fear factor 
okay, can really tear at your heart. And might I add, as we talk about, you know, caregivers and all that, the care when one decides to say that I'm going to use a facility, I'm going to bring in around-the-clock health care, um, is very speculative, it's very expensive, and finding caregivers that can provide the level of love and, and, and just empathy is extremely difficult. It, is, it just doesn't come by picking up the newspaper and looking at a one ad. It's a very, very personal match between a caregiver, I'm talking a professional one, and the person who's got the disease and the family member who's footing the bill. Right. Those are the biggest challenges. Yep. Now, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier in the answer to this particular question about the doctors not really being forthright with the, your mom or their mm-hmm. patients. Yeah. Now, one reason, and this sounds as I'm making excuses for them, I'm not, um, but one reason may be that they simply are unsure of the diagnosis and they don't want to put what might be the wrong idea in somebody's mind. On the other hand, they may be reluctant to bring forward the diagnosis because it's such a frightening one. In your experience, what do you think of those explanations? Do they have any validity? I'm talking about... I think you're absolutely correct, and and again, it's you know I I want I know I tried to explain uh, to my mom when uh, you know when when she was diagnosed and the doctor and I asked the doctor at the time to say something to her. He said, "No, no, I I think that's a family member's responsibility." But the trust factor, as it relates to uh, my mom, who was was in her eighties, um, you know it would have been better to come from the doctor. And I concur with you that there's many reasons why they don't want to say it. Um, and again, it's, but the thing is that the more honest early on you can be, uh, I think, and always with the person that has it, the more that they adapt. And I've, and I've seen the results of that from some people that did have doctors that did discuss it with them, just like they would discuss any kind of disease that this is the prognosis, this is what you th- we think will happen and someone's going to be there for you. But I, I think that there's a, there's a real mosaic about everyone's part in this and, and certainly the family physician. That is a critical piece. Now, talking about the family physician and um, the family caregiver, would this is kind of an obvious question, but would it help the family caregiver for the family physician to say openly, this is what I think it is, and this is the kind of thing that we ought to be expecting, or the things we ought to be expecting? Would that have helped you, and would it help others, do you think, if family caregivers spoke like that? Steve? I would think so. Uh, with this disease, there's two parts to this, Gordon, and I think you've touched on both. I was, and you suggested earlier, I mean, I, like many, many, many other people, were in denial. I really believed, and, and you, know, I'm, I, you know, sometimes you think, boy, I, I, I can logic this thing out. I, I, there's an intellect about it that I always felt that she's getting better. And when you love someone, you keep saying, oh, she's, she's getting better. She's really, you know, and there was a cure. You know, hey, not this time, not my mother, not my father. And I think that, you know, when, when I talked to the doctors, and there was a number of them I went to, 
just to talk about it, there was a reluctance to say um, this is the path that she's headed on. Right. And be specific right. about it. That was the difficult part. So without that uh, attestation of the disease's symptoms, boy, I would have just loved to have it said right in my face and, and early with my mom, I think. It would have made it easier for her, at least early on, to understand that she's not confused yes. for, for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Now, we're going to stop there because we're going to come back to this topic, but in a type of topic in a different way. But it is, it is, as I keep having to say, time to take the break. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Stephen Hogue. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Stephen Hope. Our topic is bringing up mom with Alzheimer's dementia. 
Now, Stephen, let's talk about help for overcoming the most challenging of the challenges mm -hmm. for individuals, for their family caregivers, and for healthcare systems. In other words, the challenges you put your finger on in the last segment, let's talk about the help that you advocate for overcoming them. Now, first of all, what, should, what, what do you advocate for overcoming the challenges for individuals themselves who are living with Alzheimer's disease? Stephen? Well, I think the first thing is that, if, and there's two ways that I just want to approach a question. Number one, if the family is caring for this person, uh, and, and one of the things I've been advocating, and, and again, maybe you'll touch on it later, is that there's got to be, and there isn't presently, sufficient training, no matter how short or protracted it is, for people, for families that say we, we, want, to, we want to take care of this person. I'm going to take care of her. It's, it's, it, it requires certain kinds of training that are not indigenous to uh, health care workers necessarily. At the same time, the people that uh, or the agencies that provide in-home service, they need additional training specific to Alzheimer's dementia because it isn't a logical thing. You're going to be confronted with, uh, from the person who's got the disease with insults from time to time, some kind of verbal abuse. There's going to be things that are not, it's not possible just to continue business as usual. It's not like making an occupied bed. Well, someone had an accident bed, I'll make an occupied bed. There are more factors than that. And I think the thing is, is that we, that the people that have gone through it, and I wrote a number of outlines on what that training should be with no medical background, but simulations, scenarios, videos to say this is what will happen in sequence. You know, that, that moment in the day, that sundowner's point when the, uh, you know, the symptoms are most, most obvious anticipating certain moments, anticipating things that will happen. Training is critical. In keeping with that, um, I will tell you also that, you know, the privacy, the human integrity of the person who has the disease, one of the first things that happens is they realize that someone is invading their life, meaning a caregiver, whether it's a family member like me or a person I would bring in when I wasn't there. And their first inclination is, and I've heard this from so many people, is they want to get rid of them. And it leads to so many angry and, and very, very delicate moments. My mother, uh, literally, a little tiny little woman, but she fired 19 different women that came for caregiving. I mean, she, not, that, not that they all left, but that she didn't want them. And um, there was all kinds of problems with it. And until we found a caregiver that led with her love, that, that listened first and reacted second and stopped thinking, well, I got a clock to, put, to, to punch here and I only got an hour left and I got to bathe you now. So there's a lot of little issues, and I think the family members go through that too. You're looking for routine. There isn't any routine. You just got to play it as it comes. And it, so those are the things, more training and understanding that it's a patient kind of training. you got to understand, it's not always going to be the, the same way and every day. Right. Now, I just want to go back to the individuals with um, Alzheimer's, dementia, mm -hmm. disease. 
do you think early on in the development of that condition in an individual some kind of training would also be useful i think so um you know but it again it it depends on the speed at which the disease is moving um, you know, I've been told, and of course I experienced it, the early stages were the most difficult for the caregiver, but it was not the most difficult time, um, you know, in, in that first couple of years or so uh, with, with mom, with the person who has the disease. At that time, to be able to carefully, simply, and, and, and just make them understand that certain things are going to happen, Okay, and not to get scared, and and not to get you know try to get too and you know too agitated about these little things. Someone's going to help you. Things that you always did by yourself. Someone's got to help you now. You got to let them do it. So those simple kind of things would have been most most helpful for my mom. There's no doubt about it. Right. Good answer. If I may, just make a comment to you about that. Now, Stephen. What helped you advocate for overcoming the challenges, the most challenging of the challenges for healthcare and social systems that mm -hmm. are providing care and support for Alzheimer's? Stephen? Uh, I, I think the first thing, and having gone to, to so many, uh, you know, facilities with Alzheimer's patients, and, you know, it, you know the, the hard part, and, and it needs to be said, is when you, if you're a caregiver or you're a family member and you go to that, it will it will take your breath away. It'll scare you because you you don't. You, the first thing you react is, I don't want my mother to become that, to become like her. And I think one of the things for institutions is that the the person who's got the disease, especially in the mid to later stages of it, there there is a sense, and I've witnessed it and shared it with with different people who had it, and when I volunteered, there's a there's a real frightening moment there. The loneliness is extreme and every so often they literally cry out um, in, in voice and in action and w again, a non-medical voice here but um, it, it's, it's that loneliness. I'm alone. I'm somewhere and I can't share it with anyone. I'm looking at something. I see a, a plane, a boat. I see a lake. I see my Uncle Harry but I can't share it with anyone. Sometimes just having a human being in touching range, the words need to be said. It's not like you're, you're talking to a young child, although it, it, it very much resembles that. It's something where they're going to communicate in some way with this human element, and the human element is the most valuable part of caregiving. And I think along the way, and again, all due respect to those wonderful institutions, they often forget that, and they will, you know, place the Alzheimer's and dementia uh, patients in a room, and the loneliness could not be more profound, could not be more obvious to people. They need time, touching time, just to say, I'm here as a human being. There doesn't have to be any language. So, I, I mean, to me, those are one of the things that I, I think are critical, and that requires training and patience. Right. Let me follow up on the training. We're talking now about training for those um, professional caregivers who, mm -hmm. um, in the case of a family like yours where the individual living with the 
Alzheimer's is living at home and going to stay living at home, then these are people who come in to provide care and service. First of all, this is a tough question, but would it be your view then that more and better training is required for the people who come to provide care as visitors? Stephen? Categorically, yes. Absolutely. That the... It, the, one of the reasons that the, some of the stages of, of Alzheimer's and dementia that we went through, and again, as I've documented in other places, everybody's going to go through the stages. You, there's no way you can avoid it, is because the, the caregiver you might bring in for, a, for an, an afternoon, a day, whatever, is, is looking at those, that period of time they're serving, and I know it's their profession, but they're looking for a three-hour, a two-hour period, or whatever it might be, as a scheduled event. There are some tasks that need to be done in that period, but the most important thing is to adjust to this person with the disease and, and let them not be conflicted any more than necessary. Let them not be stressed out any more than necessary. Um, it, it, it's a very, very difficult uh, process, but that's why we went through so many caregivers. Not because they weren't good people, it's because they weren't prepared for, you know, when if, some, if one was charged with saying, okay, we want to bathe mom in the morning when she awakens, they expected it to go like clockwork. Okay, I'm here, 8 o'clock, let's bathe them. Well, that's not the way the disease works. There, it takes time. There, wherever that person with the disease is right now, you have to adjust to it. Now, they're not going to tell you, but you have to adjust to it so they cooperate. And I learned, as I've articulated in the book, that until I started to accept where they were, I'm talking about my mom, versus where I was, things didn't go very well. You know, it took a long a long period of time for adjustment. But training, and, and I've done some simulations with, with this, and uh, just to, you know, for one couple that I tried to show them, in a simulation, said, "This is what you're going to show," and uh, I thought it went pretty well. But uh, those are just little things on the side. Right now, so far as the um, this this sort of experience goes, would you draw the conclusion from it that routine, therefore, is a challenge to establish for all the reasons you've been talking about? Am I right in saying that? Do you, think? you are correct, sir. Now, what then kind of, and you're a trainer, and this is, I'd like to have you speaking for quite some time on this, but just very quickly, what's the way you would advocate for training people to understand that routine isn't the answer to the situations they're going to find themselves in when they're providing care? Stephen? It's, uh, I think, again, from my own limited experience what what i found that there was a there's a period of time when the caregiver is there other than me when if it's just me and or my family members you know we're not punching the clock and there's a task list and the first thing in terms of that is to is to keep the task list list brief keep it simple um, what we want to do um, in terms of feeding or or giving morning care or or taking medication but the thing is that you, you need to adjust, first of all, to a, to a moment of, of comfort, to a, morning of, uh, to a moment of stability. So when, uh, again, everyone's different when it comes to this, but when the Alzheimer's person is, is awakened, we often have, as 
everyday people, we think about sometimes we carry a dream with us when we wake. They're carrying far more because that, that doesn't break off as easily. It's not like they're waking up and recognizing you. The last number of years my mother was with me, she didn't know who I was. And I played a lot of parts with her. But the thing is that I didn't start the day saying, here's the regular routine, Mom, and our caregiver didn't do that. Chelsea didn't do that either, that we had, uh, you know, just using her name, my mother's name. But whoever my mother recognized, that's how the day started. Whoever it was, it was Sam or it was Barbara or whoever, we became that. Uh, Rather than getting into that, now it's time to get up. And it was a slow process in terms of getting that task list done. But what we discovered um, is that once we were able to get by those initial stages of, of when that period of time started, it may last 45 minutes before we get her out of bed. Um, right. but, but things went very smoothly after that. But now, I'm going to stop you again because please. it's the tyranny of time, but that's a very clear and powerful point you've just been making. This whole question of not letting routine or the demand for routine get in the way of caring. So let's take the break now, and we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Athlow. My guest is Dr. Stephen Hogue. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Stephen Hogue. Our topic is bringing up mom with Alzheimer dementia. Stephen, let's talk about what more you would like to do and see done to strengthen help for overcoming these challenges. So first of all, what more would you like to do to strengthen help for individuals living with Alzheimer's disease? Stephen? Oh, you know, Gordon, if, if, if I could press a button and do this, uh, I think the first thing would be, as I've already suggested, that um, as the symptoms of Alzheimer's dementia show, um, the, I, and again, with healthcare the way it is now, where people have to go to doctors at certain intervals, it's part of their insurance plan. It's to recognize initially that some symptoms may be showing, and that with an elderly parent or loved one, um, I think. And again, I know what some of the problems are with this, but when the uh, I've always found it best that if, and it doesn't have to be someone in their 90s necessarily, but a person who is showing a little bit of symptoms that the family member who's, who's, you know, charged with their initial care goes with them with the doctor, goes into the, the, the examination room. Um, although it was very, very difficult when I did that with mom for my mother because of the modesty issue and all that, which is a whole different thing. But being able to talk to the doctor, to have him tell me, and, and with, with, with imploring him, explain this to me when mom was there or showing them there's a tremor, there's a propensity for dozing off. Those are things that if you're not in the room, you're never going to know, and you're never going to get an answer to that question. So I, I think that's number one. Number two, what I think is necessary is that we become proactive um, in dealing with this. Now, this is the number one reason for death for people over 65 years of age in the United States. And, and all those statistics are there for people to see. We need to begin now to think about doing training through, through short, uh, concise videos. You don't need to do two hours of videos. Simulations. And the organizations, the healthcare organizations, to bring in people um, that, that have family members who are beginning to show the signs, to take them through it. The same way that when, when we have people that are, you know, pregnant, you're showing them how to have a baby. Well, this is one time where you've got to bring up baby here. You've got to understand yep. what it is, learn about it, and deal with it before you decide, I can't deal with it. 
Right. Now, I'm going to ask you the question, what would you like to see done and by whom? In other words, I'm asking you what others should do to strengthen the help for family caregivers who are caring for family members. Stephen? Yeah, the, the National Alzheimer's Association does a marvelous job, and, and I've, I've had really the privilege of talking to so many of them. But I think that that, that, that association and so many others, large, large institutions of, of uh, caregiving, um, need to look at the family training. That's number one. Number two is to put in for any person that's being hired to provide care in home and in a hospital, this disease needs special training. It needs special sensitivity by the, all the caregivers. Just putting in someone that's got credentials is not enough. It's got to be someone that says, okay, I've been through it. I understand what this means. Um, we're, we're, we get better at providing care when we've done it and when right. we've seen it. And I, and I think that's the biggest thing that the large organizations need to start looking at doing, some incremental sequential training that doesn't require um, a great deal of money and it doesn't require a great deal of time. Right. Stephen, final question for you. What's your message for family caregivers who've recently learned that a loved one has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's? Stephen? Oh, I'll do it quickly because I know our time is short. I think the first thing, and it's a theme that, that I talk about throughout the book, and I don't know why, but you know, people find the book rather humorous, and again, that's part of it, but we always want to lead with our love. We've made a choice for family members to take care of someone. The love that we feel for them has got to be what we begin with. We begin with that. Every single moment, it's, you know, it's when you're ready to scream and go, I can't handle this, just start thinking about how much you love them and you lead with that love. That This is the reason that, you know, that the, the title of the book got, got there because I would, at times, especially early on, uh, when my mother was being so illogical and in every way and very difficult to deal with, and I'd be screaming outside the house, this is not in the son's handbook. No one told me that I'd have to bathe my mother and do all this. But the minute I started to think about the best of me, and which hopefully is how I love others and how I love mom, got a lot easier. That was the biggest theme. To me, that's, right. that's the biggest message in this book. Excellent. Now, um, first of all, Stephen, thank you very much for this, in, you know, this insight, this advice, this experience that you've been sharing with us. And you're a, you've got a career, a life, a, a career of training. You've won all kinds of awards for this. Now, admittedly, it's with young people, but your training skills seem to me to be fundamental in what in the messages you're providing mm -hmm. and then of course the second thing is um, leading with love um, that is to say this is family this is caring for people who are where they are not because of their fault or any fault on your part the family caregivers part but because that's one of the things that nature does and that's a powerful message because that comes back right to your point about 
family strengthening but it emphasizes the point there are some skills involved some training involved and that's where your personal expertise is so important so thank you and all i can say to you is all of us wish you every success in all of the work you're doing now i want to say thank you to our listeners with family caregivers unite we're starting a new research project called qualitative research which this episode is part of the idea is to find out what you our listeners think about important topics such as the one we've just been listening to and for you to share with us your experiences of healthcare. Please email me to hear more or to get involved. And also, if you'd like to be a guest on my show, here's how to connect with me. Please email me at docg, or one word, at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, familycaregiversunite is all one word, dot org. And I'll be pleased to hear from you. Our next episode will be a family caregiver and her father's legacy. So please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.